speaking of jokes, what state is known for its small drinks? Obviously, Minnesota. <laughs> so if two vegetarians, if two vegetarians get in an argument, is it still called a beef? <laughs> oh, goodness. So on July 20th, 1969, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin stepped out of their lunar landing module and became the first humans to walk on the surface of the moon. But we don't often think about the third person on the trip. His name was Michael Collins, and he was flying the command module for Apollo 11. After his teammates clambered down the ladder to test the lunar surface, Collins waited alone on the far side of the moon. I wonder if he had... Uh, anyway, sorry. <laughs> he was out of touch with Neil, with Buzz, everyone on Earth, and someone at NASA commented, not since Adam has any human being been so fully isolated and alone. Now, I was thinking about that, about how difficult it would be to be completely isolated and alone. And I thought, I'll do some research. Because I believe humans are meant to live with other humans, right? We're meant to be in touch. You know, Psychology Today says that if babies are not held or otherwise touched, they will not only cease to grow, but you know what else they will do? If the starvation of touch lasts long enough, they will literally die because of a lack of human touch. Did you know that? Wow. WebMD has something they call touch starvation. And uh, it, it's what leads to, according to, to WebMD, uh, what leads to a weakened immune system high blood pressure, digestive problems, and heart problems. And there was a surge of touch starvation during COVID because people were isolated from one another and health, general health of the population went through the floor because of it. Walden University, study from them. Smiling decreases stress-enhancing hormones, including cortisol and, uh, and, it, and adrenaline, and it reduces your blood pressure, and it also produces endorphins, which are the feel-good drug in you. When you smile at somebody, you not only release the bad stuff, you release the good stuff, and the smile literally releases endorphins that make your pain go down and your feelings of joy go up. So I've got a quote for you, and I want you to think about this. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. New York Times did a study, and they said friends, after a, a certain number of years, the friends that you're around, you, you become of the same financial model as them. So if you hang out with people who are out of debt, like at FPU, you will eventually become out of debt, and you will increase your financial stability by hanging out with people that push you to financial stability. Did y'all know that? I mean, all right. National Library of Medicine says friends affect academic achievement. So if you want to do better in school, have some friends that study. Uh, my first year, I had a 2.2 GPA in college. Then I started hanging out with people that started studying. I had a, graduated with 3.6. How do you go from a 2.2 to 3.6? Study. Well, I also changed my friends, but. 
You know, friends also affect your weight. Did, did y'all know this? Your body mass index is affected by your friends? Hey, let's go get ice cream. Let's get a dozen donuts and eat them all right now. Let's smoke pot and eat Doritos. Just saying. Did you know that they also affect your exercise habits, your diet? So years ago, I made a friend with a guy in the neighborhood. His name's Dan Jerome. Dan Jerome was a um, bodybuilder in a previous world before he busted up his knee, and he was a, he was a good bodybuilder. Uh, I think he won a couple of big contests as a clean bodybuilder, and uh, like Mr. Akron and a few others. Anyway, all that to say, the guy's pretty good at what he did. I started working out with him. I weighed about 185, maybe 190. He put 15 pounds of muscle on me, guys, because I hung out with him. I'm in much better shape. I feel better. I'm stronger. My body is in better shape. I talk about nutrition and diet and exercise habits now. They have changed because I started hanging out with that nut job. <laughs> but because he's been hanging out with me, he will tell you. He had a problem in his marriage. And one day I said to him, well, stupid, why don't you blank? And you know what happened? He now will tell you that problem in his marriage is gone. He will also tell you his business was failing, and me and Bob Stetz beat the living daylights out of him. You're being dumb, boy. Why don't you do this? And he finally decided to do it, and he's like, wow, his business model changed. Oh, what happens? The people you hang out with help you be a better person, or are you ready for this, or a worse person? Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. So, we're designed to need each other, and I'm a better person for having a friend like Dan in my life. Who's in your life that makes you a better person? And that's what I want to talk to you about today. So I'm going to ask you, if you would, to stand to your feet. We do something around here. We stand our feet in honor of God's Word. Stand our feet in honor of God's Word, and we're going to read this really, really long Scripture later. Right now, we're going to do it short, though. I'm going to, later, though, we're going, to, we're going to spend a lot of time. I'm just going to read you a couple of stories from the Bible. We're going to draw a couple of conclusions, then we'll be done. Is that pretty clear? All right, here we go. Proverbs 12, 26. I mean, I, I don't know how we can make it through this passage, though. Would y'all help me? Would y'all read it out loud with me? The righteous choose their friends carefully. Can we say that again? The righteous choose their friends carefully. So, you had a friend, if you're here today, and a friend invited you, I just want to say, they chose you to be their friend, so maybe they did so carefully. Uh, you should feel honored that somebody invited you to be their friend today. And if you're here, and, uh, and maybe a friend didn't invite you, in just a second, we're going to raise our endorphin letters, le levels, we're going to reduce our cortisol, we're going to get rid of high blood pressure and all of those kind of things. We're going to take a step towards health. Are you all ready for this? You all ready? This is what you're going to do. You're going to turn and give somebody a high five because you cannot high five with a frown. <laughs> give them a big smile and a high five. That means you get physical touch and that means you get a smile and I want to send you home healthier today because you've been in church. So Jesus, bless our time together and bless your word, we pray 
Amen. Now turn and give somebody a high five and a smile. Come on, do it five or six people. Come on, do it. Do it. There you go. Everybody gets one. Online. High five. You know what I love? I love when we do this and people just keep going. I love it. You know why? Because honestly, you need us and we need you. This is a place you're needed. You're accepted as you are. You may be asked to change as you grow, but you're accepted as you are. No matter how you came through the door today, I want you to know you're loved just the way you are. Now, at some point, I'm probably going to offend you. You hang out long enough, I'm going to offend you. You know why I'm going to offend you? Because God's Word will offend our stupid behaviors. Correct? Offended mine. So you'll probably get offended. Here's what I'm asking you to do, though. Let's act like adults. Let's be friends, because I've had some friends that offended me, and I needed it. So Dan offended me. He told me I was a wimp. (laughs) Said, what are you doing? Put more weight on. Why are you doing that little weight, you know? Told me one time, you sure are mad a lot. (laughs) Don't you want real friends in your life? I'm going to talk to you about two different types of friends today. And I'm going to tell you two stories from Scripture show, first of all, a friendship that did nothing except bad and a friendship that was good. So let's look at the bad example first. What do you say? Uh, Luke chapter 23, Pilate and Herod. Pilate and Herod. The story goes like this. Uh, Luke 23, 8. When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased. Now, this is right before, um, this is Jesus' trial right before he's crucified. And Jesus is on trial. He's been on trial by the, the Jewish people, and he's now delivered to Herod. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased. Because for a long time, he'd been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him some, perform some kind of, uh, some sign of some sort. And he plied him with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were standing there vehemently accusing him. And then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him. Dressing him in an elegant robe, they sent him back to Pilate. Notice this verse. That day, Herod and Pilate became friends. Before that, they had been what? They had been enemies. So they became friends gathered around the mocking and refusal to accept Jesus. I was watching a video this past week. Somebody sent me a video. And the question was asked of this dude. Said, he was an atheist and said to him, what would it take, what sign, what miracle, what would it take to convince you that Jesus is God? And he said, none. What? He said, doesn't matter what happened. I'm not going to believe it no matter what. Now, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I know I'm not supposed to use the word stupid, but that seems pretty stupid to me. If you made up your mind of a decision before you find out any facts of the decision, that means that you're not very smart. I don't care how many degrees this guy had behind his name. If he had made up his mind before he ever started the investigation, he's not very smart. You know, Peter and Herod, uh, Herod and Pilate sort of entered into this relationship with Jesus very similar. They weren't going to listen to this guy. They'd already made up their minds about Jesus. 
And they'd made their minds up about each other, but what they did was they found something common to pick on, and when they found something common to pick on, do you notice how some of our friendships are sort of gathered around negativity? And in a friendship that's gathered around negativity will never give you the life that you want. So sometimes people become friends over the wrong things. These guys were enemies. The Jews brought Jesus to Pilate to make a legal decision about his death. Pilate heard that Jesus was a Galilean, which meant he was under Herod's jurisdiction. So Pilate sent Jesus to Herod and who had uh, heard of the miracles Jesus had done, but Jesus didn't play the game because he knew no matter what he did, it wouldn't work anyway. So Herod and the crowd mocked and ridiculed Jesus, and after they were done, they put Jesus in an elegant robe, and they sent him back to Pilate where he was beaten. What unified their friendship? Mocking Jesus. I call it an alliance to do nothing. An alliance to do nothing. Now today... You wouldn't even know the name of Herod or Pilate if it weren't for Jesus. I mean, think about it. When was the last time you met somebody and, oh, my name's Herod? Pilate is not on the top list of names to name your kids, right? You wouldn't even know him. He would have lived and died in obscurity, except he's always sort of thrown into this negativity. So show me your friends, I'll show you your future. We do have a few names around here, you know, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, right? Not many Judases, though. (laughs) What happened is, I want you to see that if you have a friendship with the wrong people, your name goes into the bad pot rather than the good pot. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Because you're a social being, it it, it makes you feel better you're going to do wrong. Have I ever made up your mind to do wrong? And then you go look for somebody to do it with. <laughs> right? All right. Uh, Exodus 30 or 23 chapter 2 understands that. You know what it says? Uh, do not follow the crowd in doing wrong. Somehow it makes you feel better if everybody else is doing it. Anybody ever heard that? If everybody jumped off a bridge, would you? Well, one day me and Mark Stroop... <laughs> We were uh, canoeing down a river. Mark was my buddy growing up, and, uh, and uh, we were canoeing down a river. This was before I got saved, and I was doing a lot of things that I probably shouldn't have done. And me and Mark, we were canoeing on a river, and I looked up. We went under this bridge as we were coming up to this bridge over uh, the river. I noticed some people jumping off the bridge into the water, and um, I saw it. And I looked at Mark. Mark looked at me and said, let's go. So up we go, and we jump off the bridge. Now, my wife told me to tell you I should give you a disclaimer. I am not advocating bridge jumping here. (laughs) But in answer to my mother's question, if everybody was jumping off a bridge, would you? My answer is yes. (laughs) It may have not been wrong, but I'm not sure it was really smart. But do you ever notice that if we see everybody else doing it, we're a whole lot more prone to do it ourselves? Um, And just because everybody is dumb doesn't mean we should be that way either. So um, Oxford University did a study, and they showed that adolescent smoking was most strongly associated with friend smoking and best friend smoking. I read an article several years ago. It was in the Northridgeville Press and Light back when there was a paper 
Do y'all remember those things? You remember they used to make these things that they deliver them to your house. You open your mailbox and you open it up and you could read stories. Do y'all remember that? I heard somebody say the other day, we're giving a blank check. And I looked around, anybody below the age of 20 saying, what's that? It's a rectangular piece of paper you used to write to transfer money. The world's changed, right? I'm just acknowledging the world's changed. And I remember reading in the Press and Light that there were a, a dozen smokers who were interviewed. And those dozen smokers, every single one of them said the same thing. My best friend taught me how to smoke. Think about this. Who of it thinks it's a great idea? You know, smoke inhalation kills you, right? Here's a great idea. I'm going to pay $5 a pack to die one breath at a time. I'm, I'm not saying that that you're going to go to hell or anything like that. I'm just simply saying we would acknowledge health-wise it's just not the smartest thing to do, right? And it's funny to me that we all started because we wanted an image with a group of friends. So sometimes we make bad decisions because our friends influence us towards wrong. But I want to give you the good news. The good news is you can also have friends that influence you to do right. Um... When I think about this, I think of a couple of guys named Adams and Jefferson. Now, I've read biographies on both of them. I even called my history teacher daughter to go over the latest. I got to do it right now, politically correct. These guys were both flawed individuals, Adams and Jefferson. You know, Adams, John Adams was the second president of the United States. You all know that? Yeah. Do you know that he wrote the better part of the Constitution? Like almost 90% of it was his personal writing. Did you all know that? So if you enjoy the Constitution of the United States, you enjoy any of the freedoms you have, freedom of speech, those kind of things, you have Adams to thank. Do you know that the third president was a guy named Thomas Jefferson? For all of the bad that he was, which there was a lot of it, Thomas Jefferson also was the main author, over 90% of the document known as the Declaration of Independence, uh, comes from his pen. So we have these two guys. They... Uh, they were totally different. I mean, one is a godly man. Adams was an incredibly godly man. Uh, not the brightest politically. He wasn't very politically motivated because he wanted to do what was right no matter what it cost him, even if he thought, sometimes he thought things were right that weren't. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So Adams here, he, he's a good guy, but he, you know, a little hard-minded. And Then we got Jefferson, and Jefferson lived by the seat of his pants. He went into debt. He, yeah, he, was, he was a crazy guy. But do you know what these two decided they would do? These two decided that they would get together to help form a country based upon the freedom to be all God made you to be. Now, these two incredibly flawed individuals worked together, and without them, you and I would not sit here today with the freedom and the blessing we enjoy if they hadn't worked together. They were flawed, but they worked together, and they made the world better because they had a good goal in mind. Y'all follow me on this? All right. I, lots more I could say. Do you know that they were such, they got in a fight because uh, Adams was second president, and did you know that uh, um, uh, Jefferson was his vice president? They were in two different political parties. They were completely opposed to each other, but Adams said, I need someone to tell me what I'm doing wrong and oppose my thoughts so I can actually do what's better for our country. 
Wow. He cared more about his country than he did his personal opinions. That, that was Adams. Now, do, do you know they've gotten a fight after that and they split ways and all that kind of stuff? But a few years later, Adams says, you're my friend. And he started writing them letters. And they started writing so much so they became friends till the day they died. And you know they both died, even though separated hundreds of miles apart. They died on the same day, July 4th. July 4th, 1826. What an incredible thought. Two guys that were flawed, but decided they wanted to do something good, bonded together to make a difference in the world. Well, our friends today, we're going to talk about their Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You might have heard of them. Uh, we've been in a sermon series about Daniel, talking about raising up a Daniel generation. Daniel generation is all about raising up a generation that do what's right, even when the pressure is on you to do wrong. Now, something you need to know about this story, you need to realize that, um, well, Jewish people, uh, these are a story about four Jewish boys, and Jewish people keep what's called kosher. What that means is they don't eat certain kinds of food because they consider it to be abhorrent to them, and they consider it to be dishonoring to God to eat those kind of foods. With that being said, let's read their story. Daniel chapter 1, verse 3. The king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of the court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility. All right, let's stop right here. What just led up to this is these four boys lived in, they lived in Israel, which would be on the map about right here. The king from Babylon came down, killed all of the leadership, burned down the city, burned down the temple, and took these four boys away from home back up to Babylon. And the reason he took them away is because he thought he could use them. So he took them away from their family, took them away from their culture, took them away from their worship of God, took them away from everything. And here we are. They're young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. So these were the best. And he was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. And the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from his table. So the king says, you're going to eat my food. You're going to read my stuff. You're going to think my thoughts. You're going to speak my language. I'm changing everything about your world. So they were to be trained for three years. And after that, they were to enter the king's servants. Among those who were chosen were uh, some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, which is directly uh, rejected in the book of Daniel because it is a statement about their God. Uh, Hananiah, he gave Shadrach, Mishael, Meshach, and Azariah, Abednego. Their names also have to do with their gods but are not as worshipful. That's the reason Daniel's name is never used as Belteshazzar. All right? So these friends had been deported from their homeland, their families were killed, their city destroyed, their culture changed, their names changed, everything in their life changed. Do you know what you call that? Trauma. We live in a world right now, everybody's concerned with trauma, I'm going to tell you how to make it through trauma. You know how you make it through trauma? Daniel 1.8. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself. What? He chose, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to continue to worship God regardless of what it costs me. The best way to deal with trauma is to find the right way through following Jesus and then to bring some with you. So what did he do? He resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. 
But Daniel didn't take a stand alone. Look in verse 11. Then Daniel said to the guard and the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink and compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. And God did a miracle. What kind of miracle did he do? Verse 15, at the end of 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. Vegetables and water? <laughs> yeah, that's God coming through. The king talked with them. He found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service, and every matter of wisdom and understanding which the king questioned them, he found these guys ten times better. So what happened? Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they decided they would do something. They were not going to let their lives be controlled by outside forces. But they were going to make a vow and a pact to serve God together. Well, this wasn't the only time they did that. They did it a little later. Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. You might have heard this story. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 60 cubits high and six cubits wide. So that's 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. And he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Verse 5, as soon as you hear the sound, this is what the king said, as soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, which is funny because if you're wondering about OCD, the guy who wrote the book of Daniel is definitely OCD because every time he starts the music, he has to list every, every single one of the instruments by name. He starts a list, he's got to complete it. <laughs> Just fun stuff for you. God uses OCD people too. Like I said, you're accepted as you are, broken and everything. God can use you too. I got one amen out of that. My goodness. All right. And those of you that don't know, if you say amen, I finish faster. <laughs> All right. And this is what he said. When you hear all this music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Amen. <laughs> Amen says, I agree, though. Be careful. <laughs> now, whoever does not fall down and worship and immediately will be thrown into the blazing furnace. So he says, if you don't worship, you're going to be thrown into a furnace. So what happened? Well, we find out in verse 12, there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you had set up. So furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, you people, that I killed everybody and took you to my town and teaching you my ways and taking care of you, probably castrated you? Anyway, sorry. King Nebuchadnezzar said to him, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? <laughs> and listen to their reply, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves in this matter. <laughs> I love that. That's some cocky right there. That's some three-point. That's some Florida Atlantic right there. That's what that's called. All right, if you're not watching the NCAA tournament, you won't get that one. Is it true? And they said, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But, coach, catch this, even if he does not, 
then we want you to know, your majesty, we're still not going to bow to your gods and we're not going to worship the image of gold you have set up. (laughs) That's pretty tough. We know we're going to go in there. We know we're going to burn. But you know what? We would rather burn than bow. You know how you get through trauma? I'd rather burn than bow. I will not let what happened to me define me or destroy me. But I will stand as a victor as we sang today. Alleluia. He has won the victory. He's given it to me. Come on, there is some victory there whether you burn or not. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. He commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to throw them in the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men? Didn't we throw three men into the fire? There were three men we threw into the fire tied up. And they replied, certainly, your majesty. And he said, look, look. There aren't three men in the fire. There's four. Unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Because <laughs> he was seeing Jesus. Because you know who showed up? A pre-incarnate Jesus. Walking around in the fire with him. You know what he's saying? Doesn't matter what you go through. If you have me as your friend, you can make it through anything. Do you know what the scripture says about God? It says Proverbs 18, 24. One who has reliable unreliable friends soon comes to ruin but there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother and he's the fourth man in the fire I was um, I, I fought with how to end this message and I didn't like anything I wrote all week long And this morning I listened to a preacher tell a story about a guy who came home And he saw his house on fire. And he whipped in the driveway real quick. And he looked up and in the second story window, his son was standing in the window. Little five-year-old son standing in the window. And the dad jumped out of the car, runs over and says, hey, son, son. He said, yes, dad. He said, jump. He said, dad, I can't see you. The smoke and the fire, I can't see you. And the dad said, it's all right, son. I can see you jump. Man, when I heard that story, I thought that's exactly where we are today. There are some of you that you're standing there about ready to go in the fire and the fire's already heated up and I I just want you to know that you have a friend. You have a friend. The question is, will you trust him even though you don't see him? Because in your heart right now, you're hearing a voice that's saying, I can be that friend that sticks with you closer than a brother. I can guide you through good stuff. I can help you to follow me. His name is Jesus Christ. He died upon a cross. He was buried in the grave. He was resurrected on the third day. And he loves you. He wants you, he wants you to jump to him, to give your life to him. Right now, today, Right here. Well, I can't see him. 
he can see you. I'd like you to bow your heads with me if you would. And if you're in this place this morning, I just want to ask you a very simple question. When I told that story, you knew it's you. You need to jump. You need to give your heart to Jesus right now, all that you are, and you need to jump with all of your heart and say, I will trust you, Jesus, as my friend. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand right now. I want to pray with you. If you're in this room, that's you. It's your day to make Jesus your friend. Jump into his arms. Salvation, yes. Are there others? Yes. Yes, are there others? Around this room. There are others? All right, nobody prays alone at Harvest Ridge. We're all going to pray together, all right? So everybody, out loud, would you just repeat this simple prayer after me, okay? Dear Jesus, I trust you. I jump to you. I give you my life. You have it all. Now be with me and guide me through these fires. I give you my life. Now give me yours. Thank you. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, something just happened. And it's going to happen for all eternity right now. You are a child of God. You are his child. Guess where he is from now on? He's with you in the fire. Hey, I want to, I want to add one more thing, though. There's some of you, your friends... You need to make some changes now. Come on. You need to make some changes. You need to change where you hang out. Some of you, you sing that song, I love this bar, because that's where you hang out. You know the difference between I love this bar and I love this church? We serve a different spirit. And the spirit we're serving will make you a better person and your life more worth living. And the people around are going to encourage you to be a better person. So we want to invite you. Come on, next week's Easter egg hunt. Come back next week. Be a part. Bring somebody with you. Let's have some fun. What do you say? Would it be all right if we had some fun next week and got some candy for our kids? And maybe celebrated the goodness of God's love? Sing Hosanna, save us, Lord. Wouldn't that be great? All right need to make a change in your friends? Let's do it today, right now. And to do that...